This episode of Motherhood in Hollywood is sponsored by Kinsa, the world's smartest thermometer. When my daughter Channing isn't feeling well, Kinsa is the only thermometer I trust. It remembers her temperature, symptoms, and medications, so I don't miss a beat. Find it now at KinsaHealth.com, the world's smartest thermometer. Motherhood in Hollywood is also sponsored by Bumby Box, an eco-friendly toy subscription service your kids will love. Each Bumby Box comes with fun, play-based toys and activities specially chosen for your child. And if you enter the code M-I-H-O-O-D at checkout, you'll get 10% off your order. Go to BumbyBox.com and find out why Bumby Box is a better way to play. Come on, Mama! Grab your popcorn and goobers. It's time for Motherhood in Hollywood with your host, Heather Brooker. This is a crude prude's perspective on being a full-time mom in showbiz. She's not a perfect mom, but she can play one on TV. Hold on to your butts. Here's Heather. It's episode 43 of Motherhood in Hollywood. I'm Heather. Thanks for joining me on the show today, you guys. We have a wonderful episode today. It's quite a bit different than some of the other shows we've done before because I want to take a minute to acknowledge and to honor the fact that this is National Infertility Awareness Week. It is a very um, important time to honor women and, and acknowledge the women in our lives and in the world who have struggled with infertility. I have had several friends who have gone through fertility challenges and it's heartbreaking to watch people you love go through something like that. And especially when they just, you know, they just want to be a mom. They just want to hold a little baby in their arms. And I, it breaks my heart. It, it, makes me feel very helpless uh, when someone I love is going through something like that. So I am taking the opportunity and the platform that is Motherhood in Hollywood this week to uh, discuss infertility and discuss what's going on, why women um, tend to be so secretive about it, why there's sort of a shame or a stigma attached to it. Maybe that's not your experience, but it has been mine a little bit with some of the people I know who are not as open about infertility. So I thought, what better way to bring to light this this uh, important topic than by having one of the most boisterous and vocal supporters of talking about infertility and making uh, fertility awareness uh, a more of a, a topic that's in the public forum, if you will, than Wendy Birch. Wendy Birch is a mom, an award-winning journalist, and just one of the most vivacious and funny women um, that you'll ever meet. She's a reporter here for a local news station at KTLA, and that's how we met when I was a writer and producer and worked with her uh, several years ago and wa- witnessed a lot of the fertility challenges um, sort of, you know, from afar a little bit. I, I didn't want to get up in her business, but she certainly wasn't private about it or shy. She didn't um, keep it to herself. She documented the entire experience that she went through on the Huffington Post and um, sometimes even on the air on KTLA. She, they, I know they did a special video series uh, on that. She's very open, very honest, very real. And this might be a difficult show for some people to listen to. And I hope that you find some comfort and some inspiration in it. 
and are able to relate in some way to Wendy's story. We have a lot of fun (laughs) during the podcast as well. So it's not all, you know, uh, heartache and, and, and sadness for sure. Because like I said, she's a very vivacious lady and, uh, is still very much full of joy. So I loved having her on the episode today. I also want to mention really quick, there's only a week left of my MIH 15 by 15. And I am not quite where I want to be, but I'm not giving up yet. I'm still pushing forward. And that's really the ultimate goal of the 15 by 15. I can't believe it's been four months. And uh, yeah, I'm going to talk a little bit more about all of the things that I've done in uh, the next week's episode. So be on the lookout at motherhoodandhollywood.com for updates on the MIH 15 by 15 and make sure you take a minute to please subscribe to motherhood in Hollywood. If you're a fan of the show, if you're enjoying hearing from these wonderful guests that I'm bringing you every week, men and women, please take a minute to subscribe on iTunes and leave a review for the show. It makes such a huge difference in whatever iTunes does for their algorithms and, you know, rankings and whatnot. The more visibility motherhood in Hollywood gets, the more opportunities I have to share the show and all my hard work with the world. So I appreciate you taking the time to do that and share it with a friend. Uh, if you don't like it, keep it to yourself. Nobody cares. <laughs> All right. Uh, I want to go ahead and just wrap up the mommy monologue today and get right into my interview with Wendy Birch. I hope you guys enjoy this. I hope it touches your heart in some way, uh, in the way that it touched mine. So here's Wendy. Okay, everybody. I am really excited for my guest today. It is TV's Wendy Birch. I love that introduction. It is TV's Wendy Birch. I feel like every time you walk into a room, someone should say, ladies and gentlemen, it's TV's Wendy Birch. You know, it's funny because the news writers will still say that sometimes when I come in. It's never just, there's Wendy. It's like, hey, ladies and gentlemen, it's TV's Wendy Birch. Do you, I always feel like um, because of San Rubin at KTLA, um, I always want to be called the angry news writer because he calls all the writers that. It's, I love it so much. I'm like, we are all a little angry. Well, I think when you tell someone your job is to come in at midnight mm-hmm. and then for hours upon end, you need to write news copy about horrific events that have transpired. Right. And yes, I, I think you, you would tend to be angry. You I would be little, very angry. A little bitter. A little bitter. <laughs> um, but I will say we had so much fun. I know I had so much fun working with you. Like there were mornings when they were like, oh, you're with Wendy today. And I'm like, yeah. I do try to make I try to take the easy path that, that's not saying that it's the lazy path it's <laughs> no, there's just a like difference. there's a path of, yeah. of least resistance yes. to get it on the air but also you've been doing news long enough no, where you know you don't have to add a lot of bullshit into it and yeah. you can cuss if you want if you feel comfortable oh good I like that the FCC yeah. is not listening no oh that's no fabulous one's listening. no one's listening <laughs> All of LA, but no one else. But no one um, beyond that. No, like I love that because you are pro. Like you've oh, you've been in you. news for a long time, and you know you don't have to add uh, a bunch of like frills and stuff to a shooting story or I, a fire I, um, story. Or, you know, I always uh, think that my um, one of my talents is when the writers will say, "Well, we have some sound from that shooting scene. Do you want to know what they say?" And I go, "Well, let's see. They probably will say, I can't believe it happened here.'" <laughs> Right. Nothing like this ever happened. He was such a nice guy. He, he always waved. Nice I know. <laughs> he always waved, which which my thing too is if you have a neighbor that waves, chances are they will be the they're one the that killer. will kill somebody. Yeah, they're so, the murderer. So if you wave at me in a neighborhood, I'm like, wow, <laughs> I won't wave back. Especially in LA. No one's waving like, hey, is that guy waving at me? Get in the car. Get He's going to kill someone. <laughs> He's going to kill someone. 
I know this so sounds sad. I know this sounds cynical, but but uh, that is the way that is. And, and you know, and then if there's ever like a you know a big uh, storm or something, you know, a tornado, it's like it sounded like a freight train. Oh my gosh, sound like a freight train. Sound like a freight train. Heard it coming. Yeah. Uh, uh, we you know I'm from Oklahoma, so we had lots of tornadoes. Yeah. And everyone, it was just like a big freight train, and we didn't know what to do. And I was like, <laughs> but no one hears a freight train and says, hey, that sounds like a tornado. Right. So you know, I think there's a problem there. Discrimination against the freight trains. Uh, but now, I digress. You have all always had such a strong and powerful personality do you think that that has conflicted with your serious news oh absolutely self? is it hard for you to be serious because I know you get to do more a little bit lighter stories well now, I think but... now I'm at the right station for that yeah because I think KCLA uh if you watch our morning show is very much a strong mix of of hard and soft and mm-hmm. we go back and forth and I think that is probably I think the best part of our show because we've been doing it for so long right we kind of artfully go back and forth where I think other stations sort of struggle with with who they are and we're like we're we're a little bit country. We're a little bit rock and roll. We, <laughs> right, we go, we go right. both ways. Um, but you know, I started here in Los Angeles. Little known to people that I started years ago uh, in the 1990s <laughs> uh, at KCAL. I worked there for a brief period of time when there at the Paramount lot. Then I went away. I anchored in another market. And I came back and I worked at Channel Seven, which, as you know, Channel Seven is a brand and it is ABC Seven mm-hmm. Eyewitness News. And I had a Circle Seven tattooed on my ass. I had to get that. <laughs> Dr. Tatoff. Uh, no, I'm, oh, I'm kidding funny. about that. But that was such a serious market. But then again, yeah. I came up through strong journalism. I have a strong journalism background, mm-hmm. and I, I know how to do the murder, the mayhem, and the mudslides. And yeah. I covered all the big high-profile court cases. But occasionally, a little personality would slip out, and people would come to me, and they're like, you're so funny. I'm like, I didn't say anything funny. I think maybe I just smirked. Yeah. But in that environment. Like when somebody said, he was such a nice guy. And then you're like, <laughs> oh, you just feel your eyes rolling. Oh, God. But now that I'm at KTLA, I, I think that that has come out. It, it is helps. wonderful to connect with the viewers. I think it still makes management very nervous. I'm sure. But I also think that the viewers really get it because I'm established in this market mm-hmm. as a journalist. So mm-hmm. I think that they know. Like, for instance, last week I was covering something at um, one of the wildlife rescue centers. They were having an Earth Day celebration coming up. So yeah. I'm literally taking a selfie with a wolf and then I'm in a cage <laughs> with a bobcat. <laughs> You know, I'm hanging out with the tortoise. I'm talking to some kids. And then they call me and they say, we need to break you and move you to Torrance because a guy's just gone nuts with a chainsaw and threatened to kill his boss. And Perfect. I'm like, okay. So I went. And then the next hour I did that. And Wait, like, did you really say okay? Or were you just like, fuck you guys. This is I have stupid. Given, I have you? given up on the, I don't even fight the battles anymore. Because it, did I, you try I, to fight the man a I little bit? I used to fight the man all the time. And now I'm like, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> I just go. I just yeah. go. You know, because you you want to fight and you want it, but you realize that they've already made up their mind that that's yeah. what they want. Yeah. You know, and it's hard to argue that, you know. They, they're, yeah, they're, like, they're not going to let go. But I've got a bobcat <laughs> lined up for 810. What but I just do? feel like, you know, they do a lot of research and news. There's a ton of money spent on research and development mm-hmm. and consultants who tell them, no, people want to see the crimes. They want to see the car chases and all that stuff. But then you talk to people and they're like, why isn't the news ever happy or fun know, or good? But see, so I where's think people the... want, I think they, they want it all. I yeah. mean, Everyone says, because it seems like the right thing to say, we want good news, news, we want inspiring stories. The reality is a high-speed chase 
breaks out. Some guys in Hollywood are doing donuts. Everybody stops watching it. and watches. You know, yeah. They stream it. I'm listening to it on the radio. I go home and watch it. I mean, I'm a newsie, so I like it. But And you see it, too, in our newsroom. A high-speed chase breaks out. Everyone, Everyone stops what out. they're doing. And there is a collective, whoa, hey, yes. everyone watches. So I think that it is the reason why, I think it's human nature. It is the reason why there's an accident on the right side of the road and everyone slows down on the left-hand side. Mm-hmm. And as much as we'd love to say we're not going to slow down to look at the car wreck, human nature is that, you just we, do. that we do. You just do. And you can make the same argument about reality television and all of that. Everyone goes, we need quality programming, but yeah. when are the Kardashians on? So I, I think that uh, it, see, that's, it is what it is. That's a tough one for me because I am an actor. Yeah. And for me, the uh, invention of reality television basically you know, kind of was the downfall oh, of sure. scripted television and a lot of opportunities to work that's sort of bouncing back now with like cable shows right. and online streaming and stuff like that. There's more content. But reality show, reality television is is a tough one for me because I'm like, fuck, I will watch the Kardashians, but I do not want anyone to know. Exactly. Those Real Housewives <laughs> I will watch this. of Atlanta. I know you are friends with some Real Housewives. I know, so. but I really, to me, it's Atlanta that pulls me in. I'm like, really? those That's women the one? are hilarious. Now, you're friends with some of the Beverly Hills and Orange County ones? or uh, I've. I have acquaintance with some of the Orange County. No, it's yeah. actually the, the the L.A. girls, especially the first year, the first cast. They mm-hmm. they were all my. So, my do you buddies. find yourself watching that show and being like, um, "This is so fake," or the they first, my friend would never I do don't that? I really watch it as much now, but those first couple of years, I did. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't want to bring the podcast down, but. <laughs> Taylor Armstrong, Adrian Malouf, and Lisa Vanderpump were all of my friends and had been my friends for, for years. Adrian's one of my best friends, actually. I used to date her brother. That's a very long story. It's not that interesting. Well, there's parts of it that are. But nonetheless, <laughs> uh, so she gets cast. I encourage her to do it. Mm-hmm. I say great platform because you cannot deny that that show is a great Has platform. made stars. And as Absolutely. much as I hate the housewives, I also mm-hmm. love that all of a sudden women who are in their 40s or their 50s are are basically are having a resurgence in their career and are being looked to and it's not just a 21 year old girl running around at least I mean as wacky as it is and as dramatic as they make it become at least there's a part where older women are being you know are on TV are on TV yeah and and it's not like in a grandma role or a matronly role I mean as crazy as it is it it Mm -hmm. is what it is what was difficult for me, and I made plenty of cameo appearances. And by the way, you know, I'd always know how to be like, I understand TV. So I'm like, oh, walk by this way. <laughs> yeah, you do. That's hilarious. And I would know how to set some things up. So I had a great time. And yeah. it was so funny, too, because as much as I'm on television here in Los Angeles. It's different. It's different. Yeah. I had a, one of the guys uh, in News Center one morning got in my ear and he goes, Wendy, Wendy. It was like 5 a.m. I'm like, what? what? He's like, I saw you on TV last night. I'm like, you see me on, on TV, TV every morning. <laughs> Like, what do you mean? You're but it's different. Right. It's different. It's different. It's a whole different um, thing. I know for me, it's the opposite effect with my actor friends because they don't know I used to be a reporter. So mm-hmm. when they see my reporter reel, which is on my website and, and like on YouTube or whatever, when they see that, they're like, oh my God, like you used to do the news. And I'm like, yeah, it's totally, uh, it's still the same as being on TV, but just different, I guess. But people are fascinated with news yes. casters. Yes, they are. They, they are, are fascinated with them because there's something intimate about somebody who's coming into your house every evening and they're telling Let me you, tell you real too, stories. Especially to uh, working the morning news. Yeah. The KTLA morning news is, is kind of a, you know, look, we're very strong. We've been doing it for a long time. People mm-hmm. actually really watch. You don't see a lot of people. News numbers for those out there are down across the board. But uh, morning yeah. television numbers 
tend to be the area that that grow and you become a part of somebody's morning routine mm-hmm. and it's just amazing to me because i've worked all over the place and you know i've worked you know number one newscast in the evenings is is kbc and i was a part of that mm-hmm. but they don't know you i mean in yeah. i mean i was at costco the other day <laughs> that was my first venture into costco but i had my baby <laughs> with me brady and we were walking out and this guy's like hey i know that kid how's brady and i'm like oh my gosh Awkward. i mean but like was it a good feeling or is it no. creepy scary you know what no it's really good to be honest i mean because yeah. i think most people and, and and i go out of my way to also you know introduce myself and say hello and mm-hmm. i mean that's you know. i feel like fandom with newscasters is different than fandom with like tv stars like uh, or movie stars chris and i were just at um travel town this morning yeah. have you been to travel town yet oh, with of course Brady? i have yes. I, I was gonna say you have a little boy so i know you have um we were just there and brandon routh was on the train with us and walking around with his little boy he played superman in mm-hmm. a movie a one of the reimaginings of that a couple of years ago, but he also plays the Adam on the flash. So for nerds, like it's a pretty big, like celebrities nighting, yeah. but he's just there hanging on the park with his kid. But I still wanted to be like, Hey, how's it going? But I was like, be cool. Be cool. I think it's all your reference to be honest. I've been next to my girlfriends who, you know, are housewives or I've been next to actresses and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And I've gotten just as much. Do you get starstruck? Or, or no, no, no. Oh. I've got more people coming up to me. And oh, I'll tell yeah, you why. Mm-hmm. They feel that I'm more approachable. I'm sure. in their home every morning. I'm a part of their morning routine as far as, far as you know, yeah. star X, Y, and Z. You know, oh, I had to pay to go see them or whatever. But that's Wendy, and I know and all I about know her. her. So. Yeah. And then you all see the people that want to come and tell you their sad story or their this story or their oh, that story yeah. or their. So you get the, into the into the conversation. I would get a lot of people who would say, hey, can you, like, cover this for us? Or I'm holding this bake sale. I get that a lot. For my kids, something, no. something. And can you, like, you know, have them send a news crew? No, yes. they're not. Is anybody shot at your bank sale? <laughs> no, we're not coming. We're not coming. Sorry. But it's hard to explain that to people that, it, that you know, it's just well, not Well, you know, and occasionally, you know, there's a slow news day here yeah. and there. Sometimes I'm and always – we might cover I, a bank sale. I, we, might, we might cover it, so, you um, know. And that leads me to I want to talk to you about Good News, Wendy. Yes. Tell me about Good News, Wendy. That's your charity, right? Yes. It was a charity that I started years ago. Mm-hmm. I started, Are you still doing it? No, actually, oh. I'm not. I'm not. But that's fine. It okay. still exists, and I launched it. And, you know, while I was there, we gave away more than $1.5 million. I'm a mom now. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. And uh, something flashed onto me that uh, basically you can't do it all when you're a mother. Yeah. And was that the one thing that you decided you needed yeah, something to? Had to like something had to. Something had to go in order for something else to come into my into my life because that was my baby yeah that was my baby nonprofit work is wonderful but anyone who's involved in a nonprofit knows that it is exhausting and it never Mm -hmm. ends and there's always more you can be doing and it is it is wonderful work but it is also challenging yeah um and I do want to talk about your baby yes who is so handsome and so cute. His first birthday party, I was looking at the pictures, and I was like, oh, my God, he's so big. <laughs> Look, that party got out of control real fast. But I love that you did that, though, because that's very windy. Everything is very fabulous and very, like, has a little bit of extra, like, pizzazz to it. As well, it I wanted to do something, and yeah. then his birthday well, came the up as a first birthday. You year. have to. Well, that was it, and so many people have been a part of my story and a yeah. part of Brady's life, and, you know, I, and I just have so many wonderful friends who just really, sh- you know, when I talk about being showered with gifts I felt so many people were a part of this and I let people in on the whole Mm -hmm. journey of fertility and everything that I went through to bring Brady and he truly is a miracle Mm -hmm. so I was trying to find something and I was first of all shocked 
at how much kid birthdays could be. Like just going to the giggles and hugs or the play place yeah. or the whatever, the tree house. And I'm like, and that's just for bad cheese pizza. That's and bad cheese pizza. Bad and cheese pizza. And pit. no adult wants to be there. They're right, just like, right. tick tock, tick tock. Right. So I go, I want to find and do something kind of cute. So Brady loves to dance. I mean, Aww. he's just like this little dancing machine. Mm-hmm. And his favorite song is She's a Very Freaky Girl, the kind you don't <laughs> want to bring home to mother, which is sad but uh, he loves that song. i'm seeing visions of something yes, in the future he's gonna now. bring home a freaky girl and he's gonna say well you played that all the time when i was when i was younger <laughs> you get what you asked for it, Mom. <laughs> so uh it's wonderful to have all the right friends in all the right places and i happen totally. to have great friends over at aeg and club nokia and i had done an event there with the good news foundation so i knew the people that operated it and there's a vip lounge at the top of club nokia this is down at la live mm-hmm. and i was familiar with the venue and that so i called them and i said you know, I'd like to do a, a dance party, like a like a nightclub party. You know, so for fun. my for my baby's first world tour. Yeah, and so it took off from there, and uh, we had bubble you had machines. like a step and repeat. We had a step and repeat. Perfect. We had um, very LA little very VIP fabulous. passes, but the most fun too. And I didn't realize this going in. You, if you're throwing a kid's birthday party, also have to give the kids that come gifts. Yeah. Like I Little didn't realize that bags. you had to do You don't back. have to do that. I know, but it's a very but LA. It's like a very yeah. LA. Well, I think everybody does it now, but it's, yeah, it's sort of expected, which is, you Give know, them a little, a little, little something. something. So what we did was a celebrity swag lounge. So I oh, bought nice. a bunch of stuff online, like at Amazon. So the kids would go and they'd pick out their sunglasses oh, and there, and they had little bags. So they were like gifted. Oh, I love it. And they got to it. pick out stuff. And then, um, what else? did we do we had a tattoo parlor and then i had little hair extensions there was a hair extension oh, parlor and oh my, my daughter would love that frank's um son was the dj it was just oh, the whole thing how old is frank's just, son now he's like 18 he's oh USC. yeah yeah frank is DJ, old i forgot dj about ben that. buckley frank is old i'm just gonna say that frank <laughs> buckley <laughs> so it was fun so it was just like 150 of brady's closest uh friends uh but it was <laughs> it funny. was just joy it was yeah. joy oh There's did you hear that Hold on. We should check. We should check on the baby. All right, I'm going to take this opportunity to tell you a little more about Kinsa, the world's smartest thermometer. It truly does give parents peace of mind. I had to use the Kinsa recently when Channing wasn't feeling well. She had a crazy high fever. I was able to take her temperature several times and keep track of it. Didn't have to fumble with a piece of paper. Didn't have to worry about remembering temperatures. When you're in the heat of the moment, it helps to have something there that can give you peace of mind. And that's exactly what the Kinsa did for me. I was able to tell my doctor what was going on, describe her symptoms and give him an accurate recording of her temperatures. If you'd like to find out more about Kinsa, go to kinsahealth.com, the world's smartest thermometer. I also want to tell you guys more about Bumby Box. I'm so excited about this product because it's an eco-friendly toy subscription service your kids will love. Each Bumby Box gets delivered right to your door and they come with play-based toys that are specifically chosen for your child. So if you're like me, you have great memories of playing with your parents when you were growing up. Well, now Bumby Box wants to help you create new memories with your child. Go to BumbyBox.com to find out why Bumby Box is a better way to play and enter the code M-I-H-O-O-D at checkout and you can get 10% off your order. Bumby Box is a better way to play. Okay, so we just had to have a quick little uh, station break there, little podcast break, because Channing rang the doorbell. Uh, and so, and then drama ensued. After and then that. there was a little some tears um, for because she got in trouble for ringing the doorbell, and you know, 
whatever kids kids what are you gonna do so i do want to talk to you about your story with brady because i it's such a compelling and wonderful story and i have very specific memories of you talking about your passion for kids and wanting to be a mom um but i'm gonna go i'm gonna back up a little bit first so when did you first realize you wanted to be a mom was it something you always like? Yeah, I you know I grew up in Salt Lake City, Utah. There was never like a moment when I when I thought, oh well, maybe I'll be one of those women that don't have children. I always just thought that I would meet the wonderful man and I would we'd marry and I'd have a baby and there would be no problems. Even in news, even as a journalist, you felt that way. Yeah, sure, sure. You know, I mean, I, you know, I knew journalists who were married, so it didn't seem improbable yeah. at all. So I moved from market to market and I got to Los Angeles around my thirties, and of course, I had boyfriends and heartaches and and all of that and you know you start working in Los Angeles and I think out here too because there are no seasons I think you can lose track of time it's like sure. you, you move you you go to a latte you, you go to a yoga class you grab a soy latte and like 10 years has gone by you're like what happened right right, right. so I came out here and I started working and perhaps news and news schedules aren't the most conducive to being out and being social I mean right. you know while a lot of people are out on a Friday night you know at, at a bar or restaurant meeting people mm-hmm. you are in Rancho Cucamonga because there's a there's a homicide or so a, some fire or something time yeah. time just started to slip away mm-hmm. slip away and then I think I was in denial about a lot of it I had looked into freezing my eggs when I was in my 30s mm-hmm. but it was very expensive and it was still almost experimental at that time mm-hmm. and I was still forever the optimist that I would just meet someone and marry them and it would be it would be done I didn't meet my I didn't meet Brady's father until I was 40 I turned 40 I met him and I'm like this is it and then I was like game on this is yeah, it this yeah. is you know we have no time to waste so I went you know from from zero to 60 right there and the quest to have a baby and I started trying everything and mm-hmm. I was very open about that I needed to try go right into fertility treatments like I didn't have any time to waste so you were aware like had you done research and mm-hmm. you know I'm sure sh- I don't know if you had covered stories I about had, fertility I had. and, and one of the things that had upset me from early on and this is why I decided to do a story of of me going through and getting my eggs tested and, and finding out what my levels were mm-hmm. because I feel like there was this especially here in Los Angeles and in Hollywood there is this misconception that you can wait and it's fine you can have a baby because yep. for every cover of people magazine where you have a mariah carey or a jennifer lopez sitting there with their twins at 41 or 42 and saying look at my miracle babies yeah and you can read the whole article and never once do they discuss i froze my eggs or i used a donor egg or no one ever talks about that they i remember just the one i remember there was march mir- across at 44 had twins well she did come out honestly did she eventually say, yes come out? no she did she and did. now janet jackson is going through it mm-hmm. um but she's not it's come out and said it Right. No, yeah, she hasn't really said she's, she's 49. Psych. She's 49. So yeah. let me tell you, unless unless she froze her eggs, which, look, when you have an enormous amount of wealth, yeah. you know, freezing your eggs isn't it's a not, challenge. Yeah, you know, not you're not. Because it's it's right now to freeze your eggs, you've, you're into at least $15,000. Mm-hmm. Now, that pales in comparison to the money that you can spend if you wait and then you have to go through in vitro and everything that All I of through. This, I started, yeah. stopped counting after I'd spent $50,000 trying to wow. have a baby. So I, I know Brady was, was more than that. <laughs> <laughs> I just had to stop counting. It just yeah. hurt too much. It hurt yeah. too much. So I decided to come forward and say, look, I am trying to get pregnant. I am 41 years old at the time that I really started. Mm-hmm. And I said, and I'm going to be honest about it, that I'm going to do everything I can. I'm going to go through in vitro. And once I went down that road and I opened up that dialogue for conversation, and Kay Taylor was great at the time. They let me do, a, a I think, a five-part series mm-hmm. on 
what it would take to freeze your eggs and what people were going through. The statistics are that one in ten couples out there struggle with fertility problems. That's that's a huge that's a number. Lot. But yet, when nobody you look at how high that it. number, nobody talks about nobody it. Nobody talks about it. Yeah, I and think. Do you think there's a shame that's coming with that? Do you think women are embarrassed somehow, so. or men even are embarrassed? I, I think so. And until we because until we open up the dialogue, I think it's secretive because we've made it that way and so people don't discuss it like oh I don't want to talk about that secret that's our problem behind closed doors and I think for women there's a whole lot that goes into it perhaps you feel like you're not woman enough Mm -hmm. or you know then you have to justify why you put your career in front of your family and you know there are issues too and I'm much more sensitive to when the problem with the fertility is on the on the man's side because I think this is this is the essence of, of, you know, all things manliness. So right. I know, I understand why that's more difficult to speak about. But, you know, women don't even talk about miscarriages and yeah. how many women, I mean, a you, lot. you can't go into a room and not find, mm-hmm. I would think 75% of that room have miscarriage, but mm-hmm. no one ever talks about it. And it's such a heartbreaking experience. Well, it's so private. Like it's so, it's, it is a heartbreaking experience and... I think that at least from the women I know who have had miscarriages, whether it was like early on or later on in their pregnancy, it's such a feeling of loss and there is a shame there. Like you, like you had mentioned, like you know, you like you're not woman enough. Yeah. Like you're, you you can't do something that your body naturally is supposed to be what able to do. What makes me so sad though, is it's such a sense of loss and heartache mm-hmm. and that women suffer it by themselves. Yeah. Instead of just saying, look, I had a miscarriage and, and, they would find out how many friends went through the same thing and can help them through it. I mean, right. why women suffer through that basically in silence uh, is still mystifying to me. I think that yeah. this is a time that we should be open and talk about it. The statistics are very high that, you know, a miscarriage and their miscarriage basically just says, hey, something was wrong with that egg. You know, that that baby wasn't going to be developed correctly. Mm-hmm. So your body has an amazing way of, of detecting that. So anyway, I became... I think in Los Angeles, to be honest, yeah. sort of the poster child for freezing your eggs and talking about it. And then once I did that, I would ironically get stopped in the frozen food aisle all the time by women <laughs> who were like, I want to freeze my eggs. I had so many conversations with so many women that would come forward and talk about it. And and with social networking too, so many women I think felt comfortable reaching out to sure. be that way about it. So I started at age, like I said, I met I met Brady's father when I was 40. I started trying to have a baby when I was 41. Mm-hmm. I think I went through my first round of in vitro around 42, and it failed. Mm-hmm. Um, but I didn't want to quit. And so I started doing Clomed, which is one of the reproductive medicines that they give you to kind of increase your egg count. And I did that for the better part of two years. And fast forward, now I'm 45. You were on Clomed for two years? Yeah. Oh, yeah wow. I, was on Clomid. I would have done um, more rounds of in vitro, but the problem was egg quality, and I was getting just as many um, eggs in Clomed as mm-hmm. I was in in vitro. Oh, so, so they I were saying just, like I responded really well to that drug. If I don't want to get too technical, if you don't understand well, the I've whole done, process, but I've done a little bit of reading and research, and just mm-hmm. from stories I've had to write too yeah. about like the trend now for older women or women in their 40s advanced maternal age whatever yes. they want to call it um that uh, geriatric pregnancy is yeah, also what they refer to yeah. it when I actually got it's a great pregnant. feeling. That's a great like, feeling. Fuck you. <laughs> You're just like, wow, that is the but worst. But that is the truth. I had Brady uh, three month, or three weeks before I turned 46. Wow. I was, a, I was basically a 46-year-old woman giving birth to a baby boy. Wow. I'm totally healthy, totally fine. I think, though, that that's very encouraging. Actually, in L.A., I don't know if it, maybe it's just an L.A. thing or what, but in my mommy and me group, there mm-hmm. was a mom 
who had her first um, baby through uh, IVF donor eggs at 46. And then she is pregnant right now with her second at 48. Wow. With same donor eggs. So they, the babies will be genetically linked. That's neat. Yeah. Um, and I was like, you're going to be 50 with a two year old. No, I know. It's <laughs> I'm like, you I are think a, about it. I'm going to be 50 when Freddie starts school. I'm like, whoa. <laughs> um, but yeah, she's, uh, she's doing great too. I, I think, there's something that I I uh, have always been impressed with and been admired about women who are so open and honest about their fertility issues because I think so many women do hide it and they're so embarrassed or you know whatever the reasoning is that yeah. they want to they don't want to talk about it. I will never forget it was like a, it was Christmas Day yeah. and you were filling in anchoring and you were on the desk with um, Sam Rubin. And or uh, and Greg Grunberg was That's the right. guest. That's right. That I think day, Henry was there, and, uh-huh. and, and Henry was, Eric, was there. I think I do remember that yeah. day really vividly. And I was in the newsroom, you know, watching the newscast, like trying to stay awake. And um, <laughs> but it was like Chris. It was either Christmas Day or Christmas it was like Eve. The Eve of Christmas. Yeah, yeah. 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 And um, everybody was kind of going around saying what they want for Christmas, and um, you know, the guys were like, I don't know, new car, whatever. And you were like. I just want a baby. Yeah. And then you started crying and I'm literally in the newsroom like, Oh my God, Wendy. Like I, I just, it, it was so heartbreaking, but such a real and beautiful moment. Yeah, and I was just really honest. I'm like, there's really nothing else that I yeah. want in life. I just want a baby. I still get goosebumps now thinking yeah. about that because yeah. I just, my, my heart was breaking for you. It was crazy too. How that but I didn't, it wasn't like so I felt many, sorry for no, you. No, no, I just, and you so know, many people too. I, that was just one of those days. I think people were home. They were watching. Mm. It's kind of like a weird day. Cause yeah. you know, it's not a typical work day. Yeah. And I think people were really watching cause I've had hundreds of people come up to me, women. Like I was watching that day. I remember mm-hmm. that day that you said, and maybe that was it because so few newscasters, A, will be that candid or have that opportunity to be that candid. Yeah. You know, because it was just in that moment. Did we station were management say something to you? Like, no, hey, that I was don't think, I don't the think they watch. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but it was Probably. a celebrity interview, and, you know, we're a morning show, so yeah. it wasn't as if we had just broken out of a, you know, right. a, a bad breaking story news or breaking news yeah. to say, oh, and I'd like to have a baby. Yeah. But, you know, it was interesting. So cut to... I had tried and tried to tried. I I'm I don't like to give up. I like to just mm-hmm. I'm I can do this. I can do this. And the reality was, I knew somewhere inside me there was still one good egg, and I was going to find that one good egg because that's mm-hmm. all it takes. Yeah. I mean, one good egg. So that's why I I tried Clomed week after week and month after month, and 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 you know went to. I mean, I had so many ultrasounds and so many near pregnancies and phantom pregnancies and mm-hmm. so close and yet so far away and it was just a, a hormonal roller coaster yeah <laughs> plus i mean you're working overnights too i mean practically overnights on yeah. the morning yeah. show on top of that which is exhausting, exhausting and it's a stressful and, shift and you and get a lot of hormones in your body and, yeah and it was just it was crazy making yeah. time it was crazy making time so i was determined to do this so now cut to I'm 44 and I am planning my 45th birthday. As I, we've discussed, I love to throw good parties. Mm-hmm. So I decided my 45th birthday I was going to have a quinceanera. Uh, uh-huh. A quinceanera trace is yeah. what I call it. I just love the idea that I could wear a really big dress and love wear it. a tiara. So we rented out the Sportsman's Lodge. I had all my girlfriends so dressed brave. up in quinceanera dresses. Mine, of course, was the biggest <laughs> and the prettiest. Of course. And we had dance numbers. And That's it was that just, beauty pageant in you It was. Out, I had a crown. Gal. It was like the greatest. I had the mariachi divas perform. Oh, the whole great. thing was just great. There was tequila galore. Good times. Yeah. And I remember I went to Miami after that. We went on a little vacation. And I was with Bruce at the time. Uh, Bruce is Brady's father. And at that moment, I'm like, look, my life can either be 
one big quinceanera and it would be fine. I have, I'm blessed with a lot of wonderful friends and I have a full life and I was running a nonprofit foundation and mm-hmm. I had meaning and I had purpose and I had a good job and I had all of that. I said, or I could do one more Hail Mary and try to one last time yeah. have a baby. And I knew I was, I was so at the edge. I mean, when you're at 44, 45, your eggs are shot statistically. I yeah. mean, there's always that one person. There that, is. You know, yeah. my cousin knows a girl who blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, that's great. We and got that's pregnant like on the first winning try. Like, the lottery. Wow. Yeah. But how many people really win the lottery? People right. do win the lottery, mm-hmm. but how many people do? So I looked at the statistics and here's what they are. At age 45 this is where I started to put my reporter hat on because I knew all of this and I had been through it I'd researched it through the information when you were at 45 years of age which is what I was statistically speaking you had a two to a three percent chance of getting pregnant if you went through a successful round of in vitro fertilization Mm -hmm. once you got pregnant you only had a 50 percent chance of keeping that baby and not miscarrying because miscarrying is so high at that age because of course you miscarry because there's something wrong with your eggs, and that would be the case in my in mind. If I made it through that, if I was one of the two or three percent that got pregnant, and if I was one of the fifty percent that was able to keep the baby past, you know, the the scary miscarriage times, mm-hmm. there was a one in thirty percent chance that my baby would have autism or some sort of or autistic like spectrum or some yeah. sort of Down syndrome. So there was all of that that played a part. Then I looked at donor eggs, and. I had a 60 to 70% chance of getting pregnant. And all of a sudden, the scary miscarriage statistic went down to like below 10 to 12% because these eggs were all genetically screened prior to, and they were all young eggs that I'd be using. Mm -hmm. And so I looked at it, and I'm like, you know what? And of course, my whole thing about wanting to have a baby was I said that I wanted, I was adopted as a child. So Mm -hmm. for me, I wanted my own genetic offspring. For me, I thought that would complete me in some way. That would connect me to this whole thing and heal me or do whatever it is that adopted kids go through and all of that. And it was interesting because I wanted a mini me, as we all sort of sure, do. Sure, sure. And I remember I was having dinner with some girlfriends, and they all whipped out pictures of their kids. And I'll be damned, all of their kids look like their husbands. I'm like, are you kidding? I could go through all of this, and at and the end of the day, like the dad. this kid could look <laughs> nothing like me? Yes. So that, like, moment, I went, oh, huh. And then realized that what I wanted more than anything is that I really did want to carry the baby. I wanted the pregnancy. I wanted the... I wanted the. It's a really special. I did. Thing, I wanted to yeah. feel the kick. I wanted to feel the flutter. I wanted mm-hmm. to be terrified in labor and delivery. I wanted all of that. I wanted to feel that. And were you terrified in labor and delivery? I had a C-section. It was the scariest fucking thing in the it's world. Terrifying, <laughs> isn't it? Yeah. The C-section. I I did a lot of research on like Whoa! natural birth, but the C-section I didn't research as you know much. What? So I was because like, because people don't talk about it. It's too yeah. traumatizing, and you're sort of in and out of it. I'm actually going to write something about it because I've got to get the word out there. Yeah. That this this is what to be prepared for. But yeah. I digress. So I was, I decided to do the donoring and I went to my partner at the time, Bruce, and, and, and I talk about him, but we're not together right now. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm doing Brady. I'm raising Brady as a single mom, but I went to him and I said, look, this will be my Hail Mary. I promise you try this donor egg thing with me. And if it doesn't work, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go away in another direction because now we're talking, you know, 45, 46, 47 and yeah. the money that I had spent. And I'm like, everyone needs a Hail Mary when it Did comes you, to fertility. So you just sort of felt like you had reached the point where you were like, I can't financially, physically, emotionally continue to do this. Right. Like it's either this or, and I'm done or it works. You get to that point. Yeah, yeah. exactly. The, you, I couldn't say it better myself. I mean, the money spent, the time and energy in, and it's not like the eggs are getting any younger. If right. anything, every month I'm getting further and further away from finding that one good egg, and that one good egg might not even be there. Like, that one good egg could have been toast 
when I started this. Yeah. It just, you know, you, you don't, just don't know. know. You don't know There's the so egg many quality. unknowns in fertility. You know that you have the eggs. You just don't know what the egg quality is. Right. And so you're hoping that And they don't that really have a whole ma- a lot of ways uh, to do accurate testing they're on... They're getting better, but no, they yeah. can't. They can't. They I mean, can't really predict. So it, there's so many unknowns when it comes to women's fertility. Yeah. And like you said, I mean, there's... Some, I mean, look, I saw women in the clinic that were in their early 30s that were having challenges. Yeah. Because of egg quality and, yeah. and different things. So, And for me, too, my only issue was the egg quality. It wasn't like I had problems carrying the baby or I wasn't producing... You know, all of... Thank God, for me, all that of that was there weren't was, any other issues. Great. And yeah. I tested my partner. This wasn't a problem on his end. This mm-hmm. was just I had old scrambled eggs <laughs> that were just dusty and powdery. So... Um, Cut to, I start looking at donor egg banks. Now, this mm-hmm. is very strange. This is like a weird online dating experience. Mm-hmm. You know, you go onto these online profiles and look at them. The only difference is you know that if you go through this, the chances are someone's definitely going to get knocked up after this date. Right, Like you're right. going to meet and, and something's <laughs> going to happen here. So I went through and I was still looking for a sign. So let me tell you, I went with myeggbank.com out of Atlanta, Georgia. And yes. you, you go to myeggbank.com. Wow, And okay. that's where you find this. Uh-huh. And they... Um, recruit it is true they recruit college-age girls from various parts of the country they go through psychological screening they go through medical screening they let the girls donate maybe two maybe three times they don't let them do it over and over again it's a very you know and yes the girls do get paid but not enough to make them rich I think it's just something some some girls I think are compelled to do it because they feel altruistic others see it as a way to help pay for college way to pay yeah exactly and and, you know an egg is an egg is an egg until Mm -hmm. it meets the sperm and someone carries it it's it's an egg right so and um anyway so I was still looking for a sign so at that point it was five thousand dollars to get five or actually a lot of six eggs when I say a lot it was like a a lot meaning a grouping of six eggs Mm -hmm. so you put down a five hundred dollar deposit and then you get to look at all the profiles I'm like okay well you know what I'll I'll put I've spent god knows how much I'll put down this five hundred and if I can find something and it works it works and I was still looking for my sign Mm -hmm. so I went on to my eggbake.com and then you start to go down and you're like okay let's click Caucasian. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Start there. Good choice. Good choice. <laughs> so that narrows it down. Yeah. It down. I'm like, well, I'm tall and my partner was tall. So if I'm going to genetically engineer a child, let's make it be a super athlete or yeah. a super model. So I've got no problem. So I started looking down the height. Then I saw a girl who was 5'11", Caucasian, 21 years old. I'm like, well, let's look on that. So mm-hmm. this is the first one I came to. And I go on and, and she's sweet and she loves, you know, to play volleyball and she loves sushi and she loves mashed potatoes and she likes to travel. And then, bam, she's a junior in college studying to be a broadcast journalist. Wow. And what, what immediately hit you at that moment? That was my sign. That was my sign. And if I needed more, I read down a little bit further and it said that, uh, she extensively does volunteer work and would one day also like to run her own nonprofit foundation. Yeah. It was not lost on me that I was old enough to be this woman's mother. Mm -hmm. She could be my daughter. You know, I mean, I could have had her when I was, and it wasn't lost to me that she was me. She was the college girl who wanted to be a journalist and wanted to change the world. And here she was. The eggs were there. And I said, this is it. I did not look, Heather, at even another profile after that. I wanted to sign. I needed it. There it was. And then a week later, 
these eggs arrive and I had, you know, you purchased six. It was that fast? It like, goes, it goes so like that. She had, the eggs were already ready yes, to go. The eggs then. are already, they, they basically harvest the eggs. Mm-hmm. And the way that this egg bank works is, you know, when you're young, you might be able to produce 20 or 30 eggs. Mm-hmm. So that's why they sell them off in groups of like six. So they're different. So this was the lot of six. Well, it must have been maybe, I don't know how many she had produced, but I got, I ended up with seven eggs, lucky seven. Like there was just an extra egg in there. And I was like, oh. okay, well, let's, you take it. let's take it. So if you know much about fertility at that point, you, they, they sync up your cycle with the eggs. That's the great thing about using frozen eggs. These were frozen eggs, mm-hmm. which is kind of the new edge of science. You're not, the other way to do it is you find a donor, you maybe meet her, you go through an agency. That's the way that I've always her. understood yeah, it. You yeah. Pay, that is you pay for more, her travel expenses. You pay for and that. You pay pay for you know all any this. health it doctor is, visits or health care more expensive mm-hmm. and it's a more lengthy process and then you've got to kind of sync up your cycle with her cycle and this one the eggs come frozen they basically thaw them out they mix them with your partner's sperm mm-hmm. they watch them grow for four or five days and then they put them in you yeah they basically come in a big dry ice container and of course, we did a story on all of this. I wanted to document how this this whole process came to be. Mm-hmm. So I went from deciding to choosing to having those eggs here in Los Angeles within a period of about three weeks. So it went wow. it went like that, super fast, super fast, super fast. And so uh, we went to the races, as I like to call, because that's where you like to see how these eggs develop and mature. And if you know a lot about fertility. Not all of the embryos make it. I mean, basically, you see because the cells the divide, but but they fall off. Yeah. So it's blastocyst is what it's called. It kind of goes back to your basic biology where you watch how these cells divide and multiply. And the first day, they all fertilize. Woohoo! Yeah. And then by like day two, they're like, well, five of them look really good. And then day four, well, now three of them are looking okay. And then by the time we got there, they're like, we've got one good egg. I'm like, we've got one out of seven. Now, I was hoping to maybe have three good uh, eggs. Yeah, have And in some my options. mind, I was like, still, maybe we could put, maybe I could have twins, or maybe I could put these other ones on ice. I had one good egg. I had done all of this, and it was down to one egg. It and was what was single... going through your mind at that point? Because talk about an emotional roller coaster of just your body. Like, your body had been you know, kind of stringing you along a little bit. Like we're going to do, we're going to go, we're going to go and then not go and then go, go, go. Yeah. Then you reach out to somebody else and say, all right, they're going to give me your eggs. We're going to go, we're going to go. And then, well, it, to me, it was the ultimate Hail Mary. You know, it was the ultimate, absolutely. I wanted one last shot and this was one last shot. And here's the thing too, at my age, even if I would have had two good eggs, my doctor probably still only would have done a single embryo transfer. He would have said to me, twins is is idiotic yeah yeah (laughs) and dangerous and you know just I I think he would have said let's just do the single and we will keep this one over here but you know me I would have been like no no put them all in in. yeah (laughs) they would have divided I would have had an octomom this will be a totally different podcast (laughs) episode so how are those eight babies (laughs) Wendy how's how's life with that eight babies Um, (laughs) so I went to them and um I had a great deal of confidence, and knowledge was power at that point, too. I looked at that cell, and it was perfect. It was perfect. Like, they see how they develop. And it's interesting, when you look at embryos, they actually grade them when you're in the fertility process. Like, this is an A, this is a C. Most of us are C embryos. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you know that, but most of us are Cs. We're we're barely passing. monthly. Exactly. Like, your embryo is, you're a C, A quality, embryo quality. This was an A. Like, they looked at it, they're like, this This is is great. So. All my body had to do was accept it, and I had the best scientist there. I just, you know what? I felt calm at this point. I think that there was a sense of peace 
and serenity and I think I knew it was gonna happen. Yeah. I wasn't that I wasn't scared. You were like, This is my egg. This was this my This is egg. my baby. Did you have that moment where you kind of looked at um the embryo and you were like Oh, I have the felt picture. a weird connect like a not a weird connection, but like a connection with I it. felt a confidence. I felt a confidence yeah. that this was it, that we had done everything the right way. And yeah, I didn't have a backup plan. This was it, but that's all I needed was one good egg. And secretly tell to you as well, I wanted a boy. I did. Oh, really? I, w- I would have taken anything. Yeah. But in my heart of hearts, I wanted a little boy. Yeah. You because know, if I could have one child, I just that bond between a mother and a and son, son yeah. is it's really great. It's yeah, really great. So sweet. So and boys just crack me up. I mean, mm-hmm. they're not I mean, look, I'm dramatic enough. We don't need another <laughs> little diva running around. I got that part covered. Right. I got that part covered. So um no, I just remember everything like so vividly. So we went through the single embryo transfer and basically in 10 days, you know, if you're pregnant, I mean, you yeah. wait 10 days, it's a 10 day waiting period. And I was supposed to wait for the blood test, which is the most conclusive, mm-hmm. but are you kidding? I can't wait. No, I went right no, and got yeah. an EPT test and I've taken hundreds of them. It felt like, and I yeah. wanted to have that moment. I wanted to have my moment where you get to see that positive. Well, I got to see it. Mm-hmm. And so I did. And I, you know, it's undescribable. It's undescribable. And then I went through the next part where we had the camera in there and we actually saw, you know, the positive part. But then the next part was, and, and I have this on tape is when I heard the heartbeat. I mean, that was it. Did your heart that just melt and yeah. did you cry? Oh, and- I did. I did. They actually have me on camera doing that too because I just cried. And so it was great too because the viewers really went through that experience with yeah. me and yeah. they saw that. And I think I think there were so – I was so overwhelmed by the outpouring of emotion when people saw it. And I had such a healthy pregnancy and I had a happy pregnancy. You did, yeah. I, I You were so happy. Like – um, I think I saw you when we were at Ginger Chan. And my skin was great. Yeah. Oh my too. God, I know. Me too. Now my skin is a wreck. <laughs> I, is a, I feel like a zitty teenager. You're looking glowing. I'm like, and my there skin is, is fabulous. There is a pregnancy glow. Your hormones are at their most level, but they're high and everything's pumping. And like, it's, it's you know, the it's sort of what your body wants to do. Yeah. Um, is to carry a baby. And so, um, yeah, I just remember seeing you, I think a ginger, were you pregnant at ginger Chan's, um, baby shower for her twins? I don't know if I was, I'm trying to think. No, I had, but I had decided that I was using a donor egg then. Is that I when had you just, had decided I had for decided, donor eggs? Yeah. yeah. Uh, maybe that was my pre-glow. I yeah. decided, in fact, I had to leave that earlier to go get a blood test. Yeah. I remember I was going, I had made the decision at that point. Um, and you had come to my baby shower when I was pregnant with Channing. And I just remember, I was like, well, I'm just going to stand up and say a little something and tell everyone I said, thank you. Or tell everyone, thank you. And then I stood up and I was like, Ooh, <laughs> and I just started bawling. And I'm like, what's wrong with me? And then, I, you know, now knowing now it's like something about the hormones and you know it changes you oh yeah do you feel now like a changed person oh absolutely what do you think has changed the most that's a great question um no and it's an easy one to answer joy I have a palpable joy in my life yeah I've had happiness in my life I've had great moments I've had memorable experiences but I have true joy now Mm mm-hmm and over the simple things, I rush home because there's someone that's going to be giggling when I'm there. And it's a, it's, like I said, it's a happiness that I feel that it's around me. It surrounds me and it envelops me. And it's a, a purpose 
and a uniqueness and a focus that I've never had before and a laziness too I mean I used to feel like if I didn't do 9,000 things I wasn't succeeding and yeah. now I'm like you're allowing no, yourself we're to gonna sit down and watch this stupid <laughs> rainbow horse thing that you tend to like on baby first tv and we're yeah. gonna love it and then yeah. just yeah I remember the day he discovered his toes I'm mm-hmm. like this is one of the greatest happiest days of my life yeah. so it's just it really was what I needed to complete me and you know not going into what could be another podcast but I have suffered from depression in my life I'd also been pretty open about that because I don't think enough women talk about that mm-hmm. enough people in general but That's women true. especially so I had suffered from that and I had certainly issues from being an adopted child and all of that and um when I delivered Brady, I was no longer with uh, his father. So in the room, I, I don't know what happened there, but I'm I'm assuming it's his fault. I don't well. know this guy because why? I mean, like honestly, like you're carrying this we man's child. We have become great co-parents. Okay, good. But, but I will say, still. if you go through <laughs> if you go through this much fertility. Mm-hmm. that year is it puts a real strain on oh, a relationship yeah. I'm sure I mean we were I think we were pretty much done even before but you know yeah. what he knew how important this was to me and he's a great dad and so we are a modern family there you go we're making it work and he loves his son so it can't That's be good. you know it all it all ends up working out um I had a point though it was a pretty good one too oh, and I totally oh, distracted uh, no 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 I was in the um delivery room and of course, I had my two girlfriends, one to document, one to hold my hand. And then I called my psychiatrist, Dr. Sophie, because everyone in LA should probably have their psychiatrist Absolutely. in the room. Now, I'm, I, I think that should be a, a requirement now. I think like every woman needs her psychiatrist there. So, well, some of the more earthy moms out here call them doulas. You know, well, I'm sure you read about Charlie the doulas. And I are, my, my, Dr. Sophie and I are very good friends as well. Yeah. And, and he's my psychiatrist. So he was there and it was great. And I remember speaking to him after and he saw the joy in my face and he says, this heals you. Yeah. He goes, I think this, this is what you needed to heal yourself. We all, we are broken in some way, shape or form, but having this experience and having Brady has really healed me and has made me whole in a way that I never realized. Do you feel like parenting and being a mom now has given you a greater sense of purpose? Or a a different different sense. set of purpose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it's the kind of the one that I always felt that I was destined to have. I, I still am looking for other things to give me meaning as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I as much as I love Brady, because I, you're I'm still not, very much a career woman. I still mean, you very still much like very nothing much changed. And, yeah, you know, I want to because I think a lot of people when they have babies, a lot of moms they lose sight of who they were before. Yeah, and I, I wanted to keep that too. And I think it's you know when you're an older mom too. I think. It's, it's a little it's, harder to It's do even that, a little yeah. harder to give it up because yeah. you're like, this is my life. It's great. Brady's just worked into my life. Like, I take him places. I just, you know, occasionally he'll get to go in a story with me. Not the murders, but, you know, the feature yes, stories. I've seen a few of those. So he's made so a cute. few cameo appearances. So that that's unique uh, that I get to do that. No, I still want to keep writing. I still want to use my platform. I still want to. Because you wrote fact, for the Huffington Post. Hey, you shared your story on the Huffington Post. Breaking news. Yeah. I'm what? writing a book. Oh, yay. I'm writing a book. That's fantastic. On the, on the fertility experience. I think that it that's reaches. That's great. And so I'm uh, I'm working on that right now. I love that. Are you uh, 2017 hoping to publish I'm hoping or later so. this year? I'm hoping year? to get it done this summer because if I don't put myself on a deadline, it will be 2050, and I'll still be like I'm. <laughs> I'm writing a book. Writing a book. <laughs> Breaking news. Still working. No, and I'll even tell you. I'll even tell this. I I have decided that the title of the book is going to be called The Pregnant Pause. Oh, cute! I so, love that. So yes, and about all of the yeah. humorous things that happened and the experience in general. And about women who do put pregnancy on pause. And yeah. when you take it off pause, 
you know, sometimes you really work hard on the fast forward and wish you could rewind. And, you know, here I'm giving you the book jacket right now, but, but that's <laughs> going to be my story because I think it will really resonate. And I am hoping, I mean, look, I am one person, but I am one person with a big, loud voice. And a great and platform. a nice platform. Yeah. And it is in Los Angeles. Yeah. You know, we're in, a, we're in a major market. And I know people have shared my story and it has it has gone from you know place to place and social networking is amazing to be able to do that mm -hmm. but if me sharing my story makes one other career girl go and freeze her damn eggs yeah unhappy do if you think that that would have made a difference for you like knowing what you know now like what would you go back and do differently <laughs> you know what difficult question to answer because 10 years ago when i was 35 freezing your eggs the technology wasn't that good there was still a very small percentage that mm -hmm. it would actually work because mm -hmm. freezing embryos is a better idea freezing with a partner so you have a solid yeah. but that was 10 years ago right now freezing your eggs has a, like an 80 to 90 percent chance of success so yeah. I tell every woman that I know and I have these conversations with fellow reporters on crime scenes in between live shots mm -hmm. I say how old are you and if they tell me 35 I go do not stop go directly to your gynecologist right now and spend $15,000 and do it and they go oh it's so much money I'm like how much are you spending on clothes this year how much are you spending on those boots yeah how much will you spend on your vacation with your girlfriend to St. Bart's like I know it's a lot but it pales in comparison to what you will spend if you have to go through a really intensive round of in vitro fertilization or furthermore what you will be able to do too is you buy yourself a sense of certainty and almost an insurance policy mm -hmm. you will make better choices about the person that you are with because you know you don't have to have a baby with that guy because he's the one he's that's the in last your life one at that time last when shot. you need to have it yeah. so you have that the yeah. problem for women really generally speaking isn't about having babies at an older age it's about the quality of your eggs your eggs age that is why mm -hmm. teenage girls get pregnant by so just easily just looking at sperm yeah. just by <laughs> hopping in the back seat because for a their little eggs are perfect yeah so every egg that comes down the chute is ready to it's have ready a to baby go. it's yeah. as we age those egg, the egg quality falls off and then that is why you know it takes it takes time and um it takes energy <laughs> takes a lot of so energy. I say now freeze your eggs for me I don't know if it would have made that much of a difference I I might have been it might have made the difference but um mm -hmm. it just you know it was what it was I met the person to have the baby with at and and, and let me back up too I, I don't mean to ramble a little bit but no you're not I wanted to in my mind I could have one unknown one unknown was okay mm -hmm. to have an unknown donor egg was okay because I was carrying the baby and I knew the father. Like, it would have been very difficult for me to go down this route and say, I'm going to use a donor egg and a surrogate and, and I don't know who. Oh, like, yeah. now you're just weird science. <laughs> now just it's just, now, now adopt. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Now go down that road. And, um, but for me, that it just, it worked out. Yeah. It worked out. Like, I got to carry that baby. And, I had every experience with him, and, and, and just to maybe kind of sum things up for you, there was a moment I was speaking at an event down, I think, in Orange County, and, and a woman came up who had watched the show and was very familiar with my story, and she said to me, I think we had shown a picture of, of Brady up on the screen, and mm -hmm. we were doing something, and it was a female audience, so we were incorporating that, and I said, that's my son, and she came up, she's like, he is your spitting image. And, and I said to him, I'm like, oh, thank you. But of course, you know, or if you don't know, because I, mm -hmm. I still say I used a donor egg. I, I make that part of the dialogue. Right, it, right. There's nothing. It's already out there. So Google right, it and you see right. it. And she goes, no, he has your spirit. Yeah. He has your smile. 
he he laughs. And this was a woman who just had seen him on TV and right. some of the interactions and stuff. And to me, Heather, if there is one thing that I think is the best part about me, it's not my eye color. It's not my hair color. In fact, I don't even know what my hair color is. <laughs> it's it's that. It's my personality. Yeah. So if that's the thing that I gave Brady, that's then that's the best part of me. The best part. And it doesn't matter the other stuff. Yeah. To me, I gave him that. Yeah. If there's anything I know about you, that's my favorite part too. <laughs> I don't know what your hair color is. I don't care. No one does. <laughs> but people love being around you because of your spirit. And that's very telling. That's very telling and I very true. I believe that I gave them to him. I think that all of us are products of nature and nurture. Yeah. And yes, I had to cheat on the nature part. But every part of that nurturing is me. Yeah. And that's what he has. Oh, mama. Mama. Oh, no. oh I still have I'm the hormones. Cry, <laughs> I know. And then, honestly, it doesn't get any better. I cry constantly. No, I know. And I'm like, stop it. You're not supposed to have any feelings. Um, <laughs> we're, we're not supposed to have emotions. But, no, I love it. And Brady is so sweet. And he is he is you. Like, he is a part of you. And no one can ever take that away or change any part of that. I was going to title my book, um, If I Push It Out of My Vagina, It's Mine. But I thought that was maybe. <laughs> Please go with that title. Please. Oh my God. I would love that. That would be the subtitle. That would be the subtitle. <laughs> Pregnant pause. If I push it out of my vagina, it's mine. Oh my God, Wendy. I love that so much. Um, well, I, like I said, I have loved following your story oh, myself you, and I have been such a big cheerleader of yours. Um, even though I work for a competing station mm-hmm. now, um, I still, I think what you're doing and what you're sharing with other women is fantastic and really brave. I don't know that I would be as brave, to be honest with you. I wish I could say I have as much courage. I believe that secrets only have power when we keep them secret. Mm -hmm. And there was no shame in this. I was an older woman. You know, I wanted to have a baby and I wanted a perfect baby. And I got one. You did. I did. I love him so much. Well, I'm so happy for you. And I'm so thankful that you came by to share this story with everybody. Oh, thank you. If people want to find out more about you or keep track of you or, like, find out when your book's coming out, how can they find you? 1-900. No, I'm kidding. Oh, (laughs) Wait a minute. Let me get a pen. (laughs) No, I'm on Facebook. That's the best place right now. Mm -hmm. I'm going to develop some stuff uh, and and build from there. But everything is is on Facebook. Is it KTLA Wendy Birch or just Wendy Birch? I do have a public page and a private page. So okay. find the public page. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm on the private page. Yeah. I, I decided you have to actually inside. know me. To, if, if I've actually had a conversation with you, I do have a public. Right. The, the, the public page is much more interesting. I post on that much more. You do, with, yeah. With more things. The and you're on the page. Twitter. I am on the Twitter Good News Wendy. Yes. And so. are you on Instagram or Instagram? No, but I'm, I'm going to join it because apparently all the kids are doing all Instagram. All the kids are all on Instagram. All the kids are on the Instagram. And all of the like mommy bloggers and everything I'm, I'm slowly finding out too. Yeah, that's a whole other a whole other world. But is. I do hope to have the book ready for uh, publication next year. So that's my that's my goal. Yay. And well, you'll only... have to come back on and tell us about the book and we'll help promote yes. it. And, and, uh, all I need to do is just find some time to, to write it. And then uh, yes. in my mind, it's fabulous. That's all you need. Just time. You have a one-year-old. <laughs> Good luck with that. I'm sure I'm going to find a lot yeah, of time. Yeah, lots of time. Quiet time where it's just me and the laptop writing. Exactly. Yeah. Benadryl, I think, is my... No. Oh, or whiskey. Whiskey. Little, little, little whiskey. Things should be fine. Whatever helps. That could be in the in the thank you. Yeah. I'd like to thank I like whiskey. To think whiskey. <laughs> Benadryl. Oh, my God. This is God. horrible. I'm just joking. Not really. She's not. She's not. It's real. Um, but All right. I love you. Yes. 
Yes, I love you too. Thank you so much for coming to the show. And everybody, um, I will also put links to where you can find and follow Wendy on motherhoodinhollywood.com. I will also put information there if you have questions about infertility, in particular uh, activities in your area for Infertility Awareness Week, you can go to resolve.org. I'll put information on motherhoodinhollywood.com as well. Sorry, I'm throwing so many websites at you. I encourage you, though, to reach out um, to people in your local community and to friends and family members and discuss your concerns and your issue if you are facing infertility. You are not alone. You don't have to go through this alone. There are resources in place for support and encouragement. And I hope this episode of Motherhood in Hollywood has been an encouragement to you. Thank you so much for listening and we'll see you next week. Mama funny. Balls.